A few weeks ago, we considered the miracle of the sun as a historical fact and as the fulfillment of a prophecy. We sought their accounts published before the miracle happened, mocking the predictions. Their testimonies, written, taped, and filmed from massive numbers of the 70-some thousand witnesses, many of whom were not believers. There are photographs of the crowd viewing the miracle. We saw their distant witnesses who could not possibly be accused of being under some sort of form of group hypnosis or suggestion. We saw that since both the miracle and the prophecy of that miracle three months in advance are verifiable historical facts, then it's obvious that both of these can only be explained as direct acts of God himself. We consider the miracle in itself as an unmistakable confirmation that Our Lady was indeed speaking to the children and is an apocalyptic sign. We concluded that because God never acts without a purpose, then when he performs a miracle of unprecedented proportions, it is a sign pointing towards a message which is of itself unprecedented importance. We've also seen that there are two kinds of revelations. Public revelation, which are contained in scripture and the traditions handed down by the church, and private revelations. We've seen that the point of a private revelation is not to give any information or directives that are opposed to what is found in public revelation, but rather to draw our attention to and help us to enter more deeply into some aspect of public revelation. Okay, so much for the review. Let's turn to the message. The message of Our Lady in July 1917 is the heart of the Fatima message. We'll read from the memoirs of Sister Lucia. July 13, 1917. A few moments after arriving at the Cova de Iria, near the home oak, where a large number of people were praying the rosary, we saw the flash of light once more, and a moment later Our Lady appeared on the home oak. A parenthetical note in another passage, Sister Lucia described what Our Lady looked like. There before us on a small home oak, we beheld a lady all dressed in white. She was more brilliant than the sun and radiated a light more clear and intense than a crystal glass filled with sparkling water when the rays of the burning sun shined through it. We were so close, just a few feet from her, that we were bathed in the light which surrounded her, or rather, which radiated from her. What does your grace want of me? I asked. I want you to come here on the 13th of next month to continue to pray the rosary every day in honor of Our Lady of the Rosary in order to obtain peace for the world and the end of the war because only she can help you. I would like to ask you to tell us who you are and to work a miracle so that everybody will believe that you are appearing to us. Continue to come here every month. In October, I will tell you who I am and what I want, and I will perform a miracle for all to see and believe. I then made some requests, but I cannot recall now just what they were. What I do remember is that Our Lady said it was necessary for such people to pray the rosary in order to obtain these graces during the year. And she continued, Sacrifice yourself for sinners. 
and say many times, especially whenever you make some sacrifice, O Jesus, it is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, and a reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. As Our Lady spoke these last words, she opened her hands once more, as she had done during the two previous months. The rays of light seemed to penetrate the earth, and we saw, as it were, a sea of fire. Plunged in this fire were demons and souls in human form, like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, floating about in the conflagration, now raised into the air by the flames that issued from within themselves together with great clouds of smoke, now falling back on every side like sparks and huge fires, without weight or equilibrium, amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fear. It must have been this sight which caused me to cry out, as people say they heard me. The demons could be distinguished by their terrifying and repellent likeness to frightful and unknown animals, black and transparent like burning coals. Terrified, and as if to plead for succor, we looked up at Our Lady, who said to us, so kindly and so sadly, You have seen hell, where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved, and there will be peace. The war is going to end, but if people do not cease offending God, a worse one will break out to the pontificate of Pius XI. When you see a night illumined by an unknown light, know that this is a great sign given you by God that he is about to punish the world for its crimes by means of war, famine, and persecutions of the Church and of the Holy Father. To prevent this, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart and the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. If my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, she will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the Church. The good will be martyred, the Holy Father will have much to suffer, various nations will be annihilated. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and she will be converted, and a period of peace will be granted to the world. In Portugal, the dogma of the faith will always be preserved, etc. My sister Lucia wrote, etc. Do not tell this to anybody. Francisco, yes, you may tell him. Now, Lucia was the only one of the three children who both uh, who spoke to Our Lady during the apparitions. Blessed Jacinta could both see and hear Our Lady, but she never spoke to her during the apparitions. Francisco, Blessed Francisco, could see the Blessed Virgin, but he never heard anything that she was saying. Uh, back to Our Lady. When you pray the rosary, say after each mystery, O my Jesus, forgive us, save us from the fire of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those who are most in need. After this, there was a moment of silence, and then I asked, Is there anything more that you want of me? No, I do not want anything more of you today. Then, as before, Our Lady began to ascend toward the east, till she finally disappeared into the immense distance of the firmament.
close quote, Sister Lucia. So this is the heart of the message of Fatima. The previous apparitions were preparing for it, and the miracles associated with the following three apparitions, most notably, of course, the miracle of the sun, were confirmations of this. There are three parts to the message. The vision of hell, the first part. The second part predicts famines, wars, and persecution. And there's the third secret, which is etc., which follows the line in Portugal, the dogma of the faith will always be preserved, etc. It's the third secret. Today we'll consider the first part, the vision of hell. Now sometimes we hear good people say that we shouldn't talk about hell to our children because it's too terrifying. Sister Lucia, quote, Some people, even the most devout, refuse to speak to children about hell in case it would frighten them. Yet God did not hesitate to show hell to the three children, one of whom was only six years old. And he knew quite well that she'd be horrified to the point of being consumed with fright, I would go so far as to say. One thing that sanctified these children was to see the vision of hell. Close quote, Sister Lucia. How many times have we heard people saying, when I was growing up, I never once heard a priest warn us about hell. As if he's not saving us from anything at all. How many times have we heard a priest or some person say, well, you don't really think a loving God would actually send anyone to hell, do you? As if it's totally empty, if it even exists at all. How many times have we heard some sophisticated person, perhaps a priest or religious, dismiss the traditional descriptions of hell, just waving it off with kind of a condescending smile, as if only a fool or a bumpkin could actually believe there's some fiery underground prison full of demons and damned souls. What does the vision that Our Lady showed to the children sound anything remotely like some of these modernist versions of hell? Or does it sound exactly like the terrifying descriptions of hell that we find in both scripture and tradition? Although there are many references throughout scripture, just consider our Lord's explicit words in Mark chapter 9, verses 46 to 48. It is better for thee with one eye to enter into the kingdom of God than having two eyes to be cast into the hell of fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not extinguished for everyone shall be salted with fire. Close quote. What about tradition? The Catechism of the Council of Trent speaks of, quote, that most loathsome and dark prison in which the souls of the damned are tormented with the unclean spirits in eternal and inextinguishable fire. This place is called Gehenna, the bottomless pit, and is hell strictly so called. Close quote. Are there really demons in hell? The inspired, inerrant word of God is explicit on this point. Our Lord, speaking of Judgment Day, says, quote, Then he shall say to them also, that shall be on his left hand. Depart from me, ye cursed, 
into everlasting fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. Close quote. God the Son. Are there really damned souls in hell? Well, in spite of modernist fancies to the contrary, yes, there are. In August 1458, Pope Pius II condemned the statement that, quote, all Christians are to be saved, close quote. That is condemned, which means the contrary must be true. If all Christians are to be saved is false, then some Christians are not saved. That is to say, some Christians are damned. Must be true. Sister Lucia, quote, Jacinta often exclaimed, Oh, hell, hell, how sorry I am for the souls who go to hell. And the people down there, burning alive, like wood in the fire. Then shuddering, she knelt down with her hands joined and recited the prayer our lady had taught us. Oh, my Jesus, pardon us. Save us from the fire of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need. Jacinda remained on her knees like this for long periods of time, saying the same prayers over and over again. From time to time, she called up to her brother and myself, Francisco, Francisco, are you praying with me? We must pray very much to save souls from hell. So many go there. So many. Or so many people go to hell. So many. Sometimes she would suddenly grab my arm and say, I'm going to heaven. But since you are staying here, if Our Lady lets you, tell all these people what hell is like so they don't commit any more sins and don't go there. At other times, after thinking for a while, she said, so many people falling into hell. So many people in hell. Close quote. What does someone have to do to be damned? If someone dies with only one unforgiven mortal sin, he will be damned. Why would someone be damned to hell for all eternity if he only dies with one unforgiven mortal sin? Because in order to get to heaven, in order to live there once we got there, our soul has to be supernaturally alive. As long as we have supernatural life in our soul, in other words, the supernatural life of our soul is sanctifying grace. As long as we have sanctifying grace in our soul, we're the friends of God. But if we commit a mortal sin, even one mortal sin, we have officially ended our friendship with God at that very moment and thrown out the life of grace. We are now supernaturally dead. We've committed supernatural suicide. We are no longer in the state of grace. And if we die in that condition, we will be damned. Sister Lucia, quote, The vision of hell filled Jacinta with horror to such a degree that every penance and mortification was as nothing in her eyes if it could only prevent souls from going there. When Jacinta was ill and yet went to Mass on a weekday, I urged her, Jacinta, don't come. You can't. You're not able. Besides, today is not a Sunday. That doesn't matter. I'm going for sinners who don't go on a Sunday. If she happened to hear any of those expressions which some people make a show of uttering, she covered her face with her hands and said, Oh my God, don't those people realize they can go to hell for saying those things? My Jesus, forgive them 
and convert them. Close quote. Canon Fonogal recorded some remarks that Blessed Jacinta made as she lay there dying in Lisbon. Jacinta affirmed that Our Lady had revealed to her that the sins which lead the most people to hell are sins of the flesh. That people must give up luxury and impurity. They must not remain obstinate in sin. They must do penance. She said, fashions that will greatly offend our Lord will appear. People who follow God should not follow fashions. The church has no fashions. Our Lord was always the same. Close quotes. What do we know about the pains of hell? The principal pain of hell is the pain of loss. It's the pain of having lost God. St. Thomas says that since the loss of the vision of God is the loss of an infinite good, the pain of the damned is, in a certain sense, infinite. St. Anthony Mary Claret points out that, quote, when a soul enters hell, God sheds over it so vivid a light that it can know to the limits of its capacity the greatness of its infinite and divine essence. Because this knowledge is very clear in the damned soul, and presents very vividly to it the immense happiness and blessedness which it could have enjoyed in God, from this a bitterness comes which is inconceivable, inasmuch as every moment it is driven towards God with a burning desire, and also realizes at each instant that it is cast off by the Lord. So the grief of a soul in hell is boundless due to its loss of God. Close quotes. The damned are folded in on themselves, so to speak. They're filled with anguish, hatred, pain, rage and despair, unending despair. There's no relief ever and no hope. There's no hope. The damned are tormented by the worm that dieth not. That's the realization of how easily they could have been saved. They're tormented in their memory, of the, by thought of the time that was given them in this life, that they might have used it to save their souls, and yet they spent it procuring their own eternal damnation. They're tormented by remembering all the graces they received and wasted. They're tormented by the fact that this loss will last forever. They're tormented by the fact they will never have anything that they desire they'll be tortured forever, and they will never have any peace, ever. There is no relief, ever. And there's no hope. The damned will also suffer the pain of sense. The greatest uh, pain of sense is the pain afflicted by the fires of hell. The fire of hell is dark. St. Thomas teaches it will only give enough light to increase the torments of the damned so that damned will see the horrible deformities of the other lost souls and the terrible forms of the demons through the burning smoke and dark flames. St. Teresa of Avila, who was taken to hell, said the difference between painted fire and our fire is much less than the difference between our fire and hell fire. 
The damned are totally immersed in fire. Fire penetrates everywhere and burns without consuming. After Judgment Day, when all the damned get their bodies back, those parts of the body that were specially used in sin are burnt all the more. Blasphemers, the tongue is burnt more. Thieves, the hands are burnt more, and so forth. Fire will be spewing out of the mouths, the ears, the eyes, the bodies of the damned. The damned are totally steeped in hellfire and wishing to be annihilated, but still never consumed. There is no relief ever and no hope. After Judgment Day, the damned will also suffer the pain of immobility. See, after Judgment Day, they get their bodies back at the resurrection of the dead, and then after the Judgment, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the earth opens up and they fall into hell, and it closes over them. However they land in hell on the last day, they will lay in that position without moving for all eternity. They will be tortured by unbearable hunger, an unquenchable thirst that not even an entire ocean of water could quench, but they'll never get a single drop. Their hearing will be tormented by the incessant shrieking, howling, cursing, and blaspheming of the damned. The damned soul wails and shrieks because he has lost God and lost him for all eternity. He can never love God. He hates him and will hate him forever even though he realizes that God is infinitely good and worthy of infinite love. St. Alphonsus says that the damned soul will hate and curse God in all his gifts of nature and grace. He will curse being created, curse his partners in sin, curse being redeemed. If he had received the sacraments, he will curse being baptized, curse being confirmed, curse having confessed his sins, curse having received Holy Communion. He will hate the angels and the saints, especially his guardian angel and patron saints, and above all, Our Lady. But he will principally hate and curse the most blessed Trinity, the most especially the second person, who became man and died for him. He will curse our Lord's wounds, his precious blood, his pains, and his death. Some damn fools joke about going to hell, because that's where all their friends are going to be. No one has any friends in hell. St. Thomas teaches, the greater the number of the damned in hell, the greater the misery of each one. No one has any friends in hell. The damned are all folded in on themselves, totally filled with anguish, hatred, pain, rage, and despair. And it's unending despair. The most terrifying aspect of hell is eternity. Sister Lucia, what made the biggest impression on Jacinta was the idea of eternity. Even in the middle of a game, she would stop and ask, but listen, doesn't hell end after many, many years then? Those people burning in hell, don't they ever die? And don't they turn into ashes? Close quote. Eternity. Just imagine a sinner walking over to the Rocky Mountains and picking up a teaspoon of rock, walking over to the Atlantic Ocean and throwing it in, walking back and forth, back and forth, one teaspoon at a time. By the time he would level the ground, 
and toss the entire Rocky Mountain Range into the Atlantic Ocean, eternity isn't half over. It isn't a hundredth over. It isn't a millionth over. In a certain sense, it hasn't even got started. Eternity is the terror of all terrors. In hell there's an entrance, but there is no exit. In order to appreciate the importance of hell in the message of Fatima, all we have to do is observe the impact that it had on three children, especially Blessed Jacinta. It's obvious that this reality plays a central role in the message. But then that raises a question. The question is, why? Why hell? The reality of hell is not really news. So why would remind us the reality of hell be so important as to warrant all these visions from Our Lady, these visits from Our Lady, rather, and miracles, especially the miracle of the Son? Because one of the most remarkable aspects of our time has been the extraordinary loss of any sense of sin. As Pope Pius XII stated in 1946, quote, The sin of the century is the loss of the sense of sin. Close quote. The sin of the century is the loss of the sense of sin. In 1949, Pope Pius XII stated, quote, we are overwhelmed with sadness and anguish, seeing that the wickedness of perverse men has reached a degree of impiety that is unbelievable and absolutely unknown in other times. Close quote. More than 60 years ago, the Holy Father warned us Mankind had lost the sense of sin and had reached a degree of wickedness never before seen. If that were true in the 1940s, what about now? Well, just look around. As one preacher has remarked, if God doesn't pass a judgment on America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Once we recognize this general loss of the sense of sin and the absolute tidal wave of wickedness accompanying it, the prophetic significance of this terrifying warning comes into focus. In an age absolutely drenched in wickedness, an age which has lost all sense of sin, an age in which the intention of man is focused primarily on purely earthly concerns, an age in which the majority of priests no longer preach about hell and the very real danger of eternal damnation which threatens each and every one of us, an age in which the mass of men have forgotten, totally deny, or else joke about the reality of eternal damnation, Our Lady came down to warn us of the terrifying and eternal consequences of sin, to draw attention to the reality 
of hell. Hell is real. Eternal damnation is real. Sister Lucia, suddenly Jacinta would seize hold of me and say, I'm going to heaven, but you are staying here. If Our Lady lets you, tell everybody what hell is like so they won't commit any more sins and not go to hell. At other times, after thinking for a while, she said, so many people falling into hell. So many people in hell. So many people falling into hell. So many people in hell.